Are you willing to take some steps to improve your marriage? If she was up for maybe trying some new things to see if the relationship could possibly improve. I asked her this question, really, do you want it to get better? Really? I do, she said. But I don't think things will change. Where is this woman? Well, she's in a very same spot as this man. She'd given up hope. Now, I have to tell you that this woman is a Christian. She believes in the power of Christ to heal, to make whole, to transform life. And yet, in this one area of her life, what? She is hopeless. She had given up hope, really, that things would ever change, that her marriage could possibly improve. And in a sense, really, she's paralyzed, isn't she? She may somewhere deep inside of her want her marriage to be healed, but she's been hurt and disappointed so many times that she can't even verbalize that hope. She doesn't have the emotional energy even to do it. I could see it in her eyes. Now, I don't want to sit in judgment of her because I can understand her situation and I can understand her feeling like this. Can't you? I mean, I think all of us in some area of our life may have given up hope that things can change, that Christ's healing power can come in and make a difference. Of our lives, we're stuck. We're sort of paralyzed. Don't you believe? It could be a relationship. Maybe a hurt from, from long ago, from a good friend. And the relationship has disintegrated because you never really confronted it or talked about it. There has been no healing. The relationship may need forgiveness or new patterns of relating to each other. The relationship could be your relationship with God, that maybe you're going through the motions of, of what we do to get closer to God, things like coming to worship and praying and reading scripture, and yet somehow you feel stuck, like you can't move on. You could be stuck in an addiction that is absolutely destroying your life, and you know it is and that yet you feel paralyzed. Like you can't move beyond it. Or maybe you're hurt from years ago in your life that you know is holding you back from experiencing all that life has to offer and all that God has to offer. There are many, many ways that we can be stuck, that we can be paralyzed and resign ourselves to thinking that this is how it's going to be for the rest of our lives. And we give up hope. In our story today, Jesus comes across a man who is paralyzed, but not just physically paralyzed. The text tells us this man has been 
sick for 38 years. It's a long time to be stuck. And perhaps for many of those years, if not all of those years, he has sat beside a pool. A pool surrounded, as it tells us, by five porticos or, or colonnades. Now, when I was in Jerusalem many years ago, I actually saw this pool. Maybe you have two, too. It was discovered and excavated by archaeologists in the 1960s. And you can stand and look down some 30 feet after 2,000 years of debris and whatever else has covered this thing. And there is that pool with the five porticos. And it was here next to this pool that people with all kinds of sicknesses and infirmities waited for the waters to be stirred, for the waters to bubble up. And people believed that this pool had healing powers and most likely it had some sort of spring that caused the water to bubble up from time to time. And here was the legend. The legend was that when the bubbles came to the surface from time to time, the first person in, it was actually caused by an angel stirring the waters and the first person in, the pool after the stirring would be healed. You know, as I read this story this week, I thought, wow, what a scene that must have been, huh? Can you picture it in your mind, this pool with all these people? We don't know how many, but probably many people lying there waiting, hoping that the water would be stirred and that somehow they would be the first one in. Hoping for new life. For some reason, we don't know, out of all those people, Jesus walks up to this man and asks him this very important question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Now this kind of separates this story from most of the stories we're going to look at during this series. And really most of the stories that we see of Christ encountering other people, usually it's people running up to Jesus, seeking him out. But in this story, for some reason, Jesus seeks out this man. And like I said earlier, seems like a strange question. Immediate reaction probably goes like this. Why does Jesus ask this question? After all, those years of waiting by the pool, why else would he be there? Of course he wants to be healed. But actually, I think this is a really insightful question that Jesus poses to this man. And it gives us some great insight into human nature. As strange as it may seem, we may not want to be healed. And this man may not want to be healed. We settle in. We get used to things the way they are. We get comfortable. And we don't really want to change. Now, here's an interesting thought. Healing, growth always involves change. Change is hard. It requires responsibility sometimes, requires hard work. We're f afraid of change, really, as people. And healing always 
wants always brings change. C.S. Lewis, once again, has a great insight into this human tendency. And he says this, he says, a familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. Pretty good, huh? I wish I had said that, honestly. An unfamiliar, a familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. Boy, Lewis gets it right, doesn't he? We cling to the familiar, even if it's not good, even sometimes if it's destroying our lives, and we'll choose slavery instead of freedom. You know, a great example of this is the story of the Exodus. Here is the primary story of the Old Testament. For 400 years, the people of Israel are slaving, actually slaving under Pharaoh in Egypt. And for years and years and years, they prayed, oh God, deliver us. Free us from this captivity. And God finally hears the cries of his people and he delivers them. He raises up this great leader named Moses and imposes the plagues on Egypt and the Pharaoh and miraculously parts the Red Sea and the people are free. You know, it's the pivotal event of the Old Testament in the Jewish faith. And what happened once they were freed? So interesting. God sends them into the wilderness for 40 years which I find very interesting because they had to learn how to be free people. After all those years of slavery, they had to learn how do we live as free people? God gives them the Ten Commandments. Here are the guidelines. Here are the commandments to live as free people in community. Not an easy thing to do after all those years of slavery and what happens with them? Well, you can read it, but not soon after being in the wilderness, what? They're pining away for Egypt. <laughs> Take us back to Egypt. This is too hard. A familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. Wow, we see this in our lives. We see it in the lives of other people today. How many times have we heard stories of a prisoner being released from prison after many years and what? Not soon after wants to go back, commits a crime so they can go back to the familiar captivity. You know, I had a friend once who lost 100 pounds. And I saw her about a year later She'd put it back on again, as it is easy to do. But as I talked to her, she said, you know, the change was too hard. People were treating me differently. I was getting all sorts of attention, which is just really sad. I couldn't handle the change. A familiar captivity is often more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. And you see, this is why this is such an important question that Jesus asked this man. And if 
for some reason you wandered during the sermon today, come back right now. (laughs) And I'm going to give you my main point. This is why it's such an important question. When we say yes to this question of do you want to be healed, you know what? We're choosing to live life in a different sort of way. We're choosing a life of growth, are we not? We're choosing to do the hard work sometimes necessary to to have a life of growth, of of healing, of change, of maturity. Because really the most accurate way to translate this word, do you want to be healed? In the Greek, it's really, do you want to be sound? Do you want to be... Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be mature? You know, really, it, it, my guess is for a Jew hearing this, it would probably, do you want shalom? This, this feeling of well-being, of an integrated life where all the different pieces of life kind of fit together. A full life. I think when Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to you abundantly in John 10.10, I think he was thinking of shalom. It's kind of the root of our idea of salvation. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to keep growing? You know, I I read a book one time. The book wasn't very good. (laughs) But boy, there was one chapter that I go back and read often. And it was a question, another question. What kind of old man do you want to be? <laughs> what kind of old woman do you want to be? Great question. I was a young man when I read it. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's a good, that's a good question because it kind of gets back to if you've ever read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of those habits was what? Beginning with the end in mind. And working back, how do I get to that point? What kind of old man, what kind of old woman do you want to be? And the author said, whoa, one of the things I want as an old person, as I come to the end of my life, and really, what am I going to do now to get it? I want to keep growing. I want to be open to change. I want to I look at the hard decisions the pain in my life and tackle it. Move on into it so I can be healed. I think this was really what M. Scott Peck, when he wrote The Road Less Traveled, remember that book? One of the best-selling books of all time. The Road Less Traveled. A path towards transformation and growth is really what he was talking about. Choosing to love even when it's hard, choosing to forgive, choosing to face the stuff in our lives that holds us back. That's what the book was all about. Amazing book. Apt title, The Road Less Traveled, because most of us don't choose to travel that path, and we settle in, and we get stuck in a rut. To say yes to this question I think means we're saying yes to being yes people. 
instead of no people. Man, I this kind of goes back to the first sermon I preached on this series. Remember Peter walking on the water, the disciples in the boat? Have courage. Do not fear. We live like this man when we live by fear, I think. And isn't it interesting that the most common command in Scripture, what do you think it is? It's not love each other. It's not pray a lot. It's not even love God. It is what? Do not fear. Do not fear. 366 times. One for every day, and plus, if you're having a really tough day, you get to use the extra one. Or if it's a leap year. Choose to live the hard path, the road less traveled. Because I think when we don't, we, our lives become smaller. And you know what's interesting is the life of faith is not a small life. It's a bigger life. And God wants us to live big lives. This man, I think, he has settled into a familiar captivity. He's really in a point of despair. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? Well... Every time the water is stirred, he doesn't even answer the question. (laughs) Did you notice that? Every time the water is stirred, man, I try to get down there first, but someone else cuts in front of me and gets in there first. I I never get there. It just isn't fair. It kind of reminds me of that old Saturday Night Live skit, The Whiners. Remember that? That family of whiners, all they did was whine all the time. This guy's kind of whining. After all those years waiting there and trying to do this, don't you think at least once he would have made it? I think the problem is he doesn't really want to be healed. And he's choosing the familiar captivity. You know what's interesting is as we look at these encounters that Christ had with people, notice this. Every time Christ has an encounter with someone, He is trying to move them toward healing, toward freedom, toward courage. Every time, toward wholeness. He's trying to mobilize people instead of people being paralyzed. He looks at him and he says, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And miraculously, he is healed. And whatever the case, he came to a point of decision. Maybe it's he finally had hope. And Jesus has healed him, but he could decide to keep living as he has for the past 38 years. He could, but he took a step. He's courageous. His whole life changed after that. You know, this is clear. God is willing and able to heal us, to make us whole, but we have to take risks of risky obedience or take steps of risky obedience 
to take a step of faith, to ask God to give us the power to change, to heal. Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? I think we are asked that question numerous times during the day. And Jesus always wants to empower us and move us toward wholeness and healing. But we have to say yes, and we have to take a step. Amen. God, I thank you that you are a God who heals, that you desire to mature us, to help us to be whole people, to give us shalom. But we know that there's almost always a cost to being made whole, to being free. There may be things we need to give up. There may be destructive patterns of behavior that we might need to turn away from. There may be harmful relationships that we need to walk away from. It may mean taking responsibility for our lives. God, give us the power to take a step of obedience that you want us to take. Help us to listen for your still small voice. And God, we pray for your grace, your power to live in a new way. Help us to be mobilized and not paralyzed. Help us to live as free people.